The Bones and Bobbins podcast is now on Patreon. Wahoo! Would you like access to bonus episodes, digital extras, exclusive merch, and more? Mm-hmm. Join us in the Curiosity Shop at patreon.com backslash Bones and Bobbins. Your generous support helps make the show happen and will also earn you our very eternal gratitude and entry into our private Patreon-only Facebook group where all the fun people are. For sure. It is the most delightful, drama-free little Facebook group on Facebook. And I will thumb-wrestle anyone that says otherwise. Thumb-wrestle? Yeah, I'm feeling feisty. All right. (laughs) In a dusty old shop on a forgotten old street, you'll find two witches with books three boxes deep. Next to rusty old needles and faded red thread, you'll come in for yarn, but leave with pigments instead. Whether poisons or patterns, we're always discreet. Where creepy and crafty and morbidity meet. Welcome to the Bones and Bobbins podcast. Hello, morbid makers. We are your slightly creepy, mildly disconcerting, somewhat sinister, delightfully discomposed, opaquely odd, merrily morbid, marvelously misanthropic hosts. And this is Bones and Bobbins, season four, Four. episode one. You can be the president. I'd rather be the Pope. And now it's just stuck in my head. Um, <laughs> I'm Haley from Red Handled Scissors and the uh, Very Serious Crafts podcast, which is currently on indefinite hiatus. I go by she and her. And I'm Natalie from Ubudork Designs, an official true crime creative, and my pronouns are she and her. Yay! Woohoo! All right, so how are you? What's going on? What's going on? Happy New Year. Happy Friday the 13th, which I deem a lucky day. It Um, is a lucky day. We're willing it to be so. Although actually it generally is pretty lucky. So mote it to be. Um, I have a head cold in case you can't hear. Our whole house has a head cold right now, which is interesting. Mm, We haven't really gone anywhere uh eldest is home from college still on break which has been nice it's been nice um to have my babies together under one roof um and we've done some good bonding um including we did a charcuterie board slash vision board night um we did our vision boards um and goals for like the year and stuff uh nice I love the new year. I always feel like I have my shit together for like all of 60 seconds. Um, and then life is like, you you thought you had that plan. <laughs> life in the form of me this time, <laughs> at least today. Yeah, that's, yeah. But you are delightful. So. Uh, yes, but I did like Kool-Aid man crash into any structure that we might have had. That's fine. You're fully allowed. Like, I love you, so you can Kool-Aid crash or whatever, and I'll be like, cool, cool. But, yeah. I appreciate that about you. (laughs) Yay! So, uh, 
I have not started the cast on for my socks yet because I was uh-huh. waiting to do the whole hi, I'm going to like cast on and do like a craft thing. And I did the poll in the Patreon group and I was on it for like a minute and then the holidays and all that stuff happened. But I haven't not forgot about it. My goal for this year is to basically fuck it, just do the thing. So uh, you've got you, I which like is, it. you know, fuck it, knit the socks. Fuck it, do this art, this craft, whatever. Although I, I do recommend stuff. casting on before you try to do a craft night. That's my goal. Like I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna cast on and have just a couple rolls done, so yep. I don't. Nobody because if you're doing a stretchy <laughs> cast on, that's gonna need some concentration. And not like hardcore concentration, but it's not like your normal cast on. Right, 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 right. So, um. So my, yeah, mine is, my goal is to not overthink the way that I overthink everything or over-research or over, which, I mean, obviously for the podcast, it's lovely to over-research, but, like, I don't need to spend an hour researching um, what replacement cable, charging cable for the iPad is best. Like, <laughs> just as a random example. <laughs> I highly recommend just going to the wire cutter and searching it because they always know. Yeah. See, I need to just trust my gut and my instinct to not like spend so much time and energy worrying that I about things that I don't need to be putting so much worry into. Well, there are some things that like as long as it is a safe cord, it doesn't really matter if it's the best cord. Right, right, right. Um, that was like just an example. Like obviously right. there's certain things that I'm gonna spend more time researching that are but like I will overthink anything that has to do with something for myself for the most part. Or like, um, you know, I I will have all the craft supplies and just not pull the trigger on doing the thing and I just need to do the thing. Like I just need to do the thing. I mean the so same. And and I've I've given myself the goal of doing one thing per month that I have been wanting to do and just haven't done. I like that. Um. So that's that's my goal. That's where I'm at at the moment. Um. Uh. Eventually, I'm going to uh redo my business logo. Mm-hmm. Um. I need to work on my own personal page because it yeah, my own brand blah 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 <laughs> okay <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> how do you really at, feel <laughs> i'm not good at that uh but yeah so there's you know stuff that i want to work with in terms of that um yeah cats are great ron swanson is like all up in my face snuggler now like, I could not be more delighted. He will come, like, in my, like, chin, like, head under my chin, up and just snuggle down, and it that warms makes me my heart. happy. We just had his fourth annual gotcha day. Um, so he has now officially spent more time with us 
than not with us, which makes me happy. So his gotcha day must be almost the same as Biggie's. Uh, it's January 3rd, I think. I have to go back and, and look. Biggie's but it's is December 27th. Yeah, so they're right around, which, which is funny. But also four years ago. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense because they're yeah. very similar. There's, I like that. I think they'd be buddies. Um, I think they would be too. So yeah, um, it, that makes me happy because uh, he went through four different homes uh, mm. and was in the Humane Society for like more than six months because they were trying to clearance sale him back in August the year before we got him. We got him in January. Um, and he was, uh, he was literally half price. He, <laughs> he was a clearance sale cat. Um, oh. and we walked in and, uh, Eldest was checking on the kitten she had picked up that was in quarantine. And I saw him jump up on the counter. Um, and I was excited cause I noticed him on the, on the Humane Society site cause he looked like he had seen some shit. Like he, <laughs> it was the most unflattering photo of him. Mm. <laughs> he just... And I was all excited, and it was like, oh, hey! And he came, just came right up to you and rubbed his head on me, and, and the ladies behind the desk were like, take him, take him now. He hates everyone and everything. He hisses, Aww. he bites, he's just an asshole. Just take this cat, please. And I was like, but okay. he's fine. Like, I'm just petting him. I'm like, but he seems fine. And they're just jaws on the floor, and like every day I would give him an update, and they're like, that's not the same cat. We don't know what shenanigans he's pulling, but thank fuck. <laughs> And he's he's not. He just needed his person. He did, and from the first night, and he still does this to this day. Like he will walk me to the bathroom in the middle of the night if I have to get a pee. Like even if he's not in my room, like the second my foot hits the floor, wherever he's at, like I can hear him. Like even running down the stairs because he sounds like a grown adult running down (laughs) the stairs. But like he will just to escort me to the bathroom to make sure that I am safe. Um, and then he started like eventually sleeping in the corner of the bed. And it has taken that long for him to get to be in, like, all up in my face snuggler or on my lap snuggler. I can pick him up. He's cool. He's still not, like, he won't do that with everyone else in the house necessarily. But sure. um, he tolerates them. He will yell at them. Like, he, he's a grumpy cat if you if you get in his, if you break up his routine. Like, he has a mm-hmm. spot. If you move him from his spot, he's like, dude, this is my spot. You get your own spot. <laughs> or, or if they're like, if, if both girls are, um, are hanging out in my, in my room, in my bed, he just looks at me like, what, what are you doing? Why are there so many people in my bed? <laughs> like, that is a fair question. So yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's everything with me, <laughs> I guess, for the most part. Uh, how are you? What's up? What's happening? What's going on? Oh, uh, well... I have not been properly medicated for months, and I am a hot mess. Emphasis on that hot, though. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Maybe when I shower, which is less frequently than it should be at the moment. Um, You know, just being honest about mental health. Uh, It's important. but Especially this time of year. Uh, um, so I am pretending to have my shit together at this moment, and I am also in the process of relaunching my personal Patreon. Yay! Uh, which is, in case you want to go to there, although I 
have not finished updating it yet. Um, it is patreon.com slash scissors, which Surprise. I'm sure is shocking to anyone. <laughs> Shock um, it all. But I will be doing monthly pattern releases at different levels, and um, the main theme is going to be cozy but questionable <laughs> uh and that's it is, me <laughs> yeah and it's based um or i guess inspired by my uh wonderfully haunted yellow victorian and the first pattern may or may not include the ghost on the third floor and it's delightful. Are they all going to be cross-stitch patterns? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I'm trying to figure out right now, um, because the version that I showed you is a larger, sort of more time-intensive mm -hmm. version than um, my usual patterns for the books that I write. Mm -hmm. And so I'm... Uh, also working on a version that is significantly more beginner-friendly, and um, I mean, the other one is beginner-friendly, but if you're not used to doing larger projects. Right, it, it could be intimidating. It might be, um, but it's the same basic design, just scaled down. Um, and I'm also working on a uh, very beginner-friendly or maybe uh, a less time-intensive monthly tier um, called Just the Cats, Ma'am. <laughs> and um, if, if you are not old enough to know who Sergeant Joe Friday is, I cannot help you. Uh, <laughs> but... Um, so, yes, there will be a Victorian-style portraiture of cats, I believe. Um, so Love I, it. Yeah, so I'm planning on launching that by month's end and then doing a monthly release. So, That's exciting! Yeah, so if you want to uh, sign up this afternoon, actually, I'm going to update the tiers to reflect what is actually on offer now. Right now, I believe it's just a photo of Mr. Big Stuff. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice. Um, which you could also have. But <laughs> anyway, so um, I'm working on that, which has been an interesting journey given my current state of mental health i'm but, proud of you that's a big taking and you're kicking ass on that you know it's small victories is uh, i'm not great at small victories i'm kind of an all or nothing sort of person and i am trying to be better at allowing small victories to add up mm -hmm. instead of waiting to pull the trigger on something until I have the time and mental energy to complete it because that is simply not my reality right now. Yeah. And 
I don't know when it will be my reality because my medication's been screwed up for months. So... That kind of mirrors my overthinking until I actually do the thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so um, we will be good support. (laughs) Yes, we will. Yes. Oh, did I um, I tell you about how excited the parlor ghost was uh, for my Christmas Eve prep? Oh, no, you did not. All right. So, quick ghost story. I hosted family christmas eve uh at at the victorian (laughs) um and it was actually kind of neat because the first floor of the house is literally made to do that Mm -hmm. and so it i didn't appreciate how well it worked with a larger group of people until there were a lot of people in it and I was serving a meal and (laughs) there were like sitting areas for people to be and like the the flow of the place is I mean I knew that it was made for entertaining it's got a double parlor I mean it's supposed to be there but I hadn't I hadn't seen it in action and so it was kind of neat to see the house as it was intended to be used. That's awesome. And so in preparation for that, I, uh, and now I'm, I'm going to spill a dirty little secret, literally. <laughs> um, so we have hardwood floors. Mm-hmm. And we have three stories of hardwood floors <laughs> a lot of hardwood floors yeah and so though i have absolutely um like broom swept and swiffered the floors i had not until a couple days before christmas actually fully murphy's oil i was gonna say you busted much. out the murphy's <laughs> yeah and so I, I decided that it was time, and oh boy, was it gross. Um, in my defense, we've just had one million construction workers <laughs> in and out of our house, so mopping has been a losing battle. But um, so I finally did like the whole first floor, and I was feeling really pleased with myself. And but also very tired because that's a lot of square footage. And so I sat down just for a second in the parlor just to, you know, take a quick breather after finishing the mopping. And I think I've mentioned before that there are uh, prisms and bells and chimes that are hanging all over my house that were here before yes. I was that I have just left in place because you leave that yeah. stuff alone. That's that's just mm-hmm. how that works. Um, and so there is a small wind chime at the bottom of the main stairs and our ceilings are very tall 
so nobody can reach these chimes from below. And I don't think you could actually reach them from above either, because I don't think the arms would actually reach that far from the top of the staircase. And so it's just in a really awkward mm. spot. You need a ladder if you're going to dust it. And I had never heard the chimes actually make nope. any noise. <laughs> and, like, even with airflow, like on Halloween when we were opening and closing our main door pretty frequently, I'd never heard them. And so as I'm sitting there just taking it all in, enjoying my my clean freshly mopped floors that chime oh (laughs) they're like thank you (laughs) and it was like it was it was lovely it was just a a happy tinkling sound and then the whole parlor felt like it was (laughs) and um there there's a parlor Mm -hmm. ghost i don't know her name or anything but she likes to follow my mom around <laughs> um but i think she was excited Aww. that i was preparing to have a party oh that's awesome yeah i i think that the fact of me getting things ready to use the house for what it was made to do made her very happy that makes sense oh that's and lovely yeah, and so the whole time I had family over, it just, the house felt Oh, I love that. Yay! Yeah. So that is, that is my current situation. That is wonderful. Yeah. So now I think would be a good time to take a quick little break and think all of our fantastic Curiosity Shop members over on the Patreon with a special, totally normal, and not at all creepy, welcome to our newest members, Hallie from the Morbid Curiosity Podcast, and my amazing friend, Niana. Why, hello, both of you. You, you are the best. And we would totally go explore our hidden old graveyards in the woods with Even you. in winter. And it's cold out. Yeah. And as a side note, I have listened to the Morbid Curiosity podcast for a long time. So uh, I added that to my queue <laughs> so quickly and I cannot wait to dive in and catch up. Yeah, it's it's very, very good if you're looking for an additional a podcast about sort of a weird, creepy history. Solid. Um, Yeah. Yay! And if you want in on this fun, not only will you Mm. get some really great secret surprises, you will also get a huge backlog of Patreon-only episodes. We're talking like... Well over 50. More yeah, than 50. Well over 50. So, um, and that's where you get. Yep, just waiting for right. you. And there you'll hear some more raw stuff. There's uh, two episodes, I believe, that I have Offspring on. Uh, there's <laughs> yes. uh, some bloopers. There's some, you get to hear the cats. Uh, it's a little less 
edited and a little more real and raw, so you get to hear some some personal stuff, I guess, and know more about us than than. Yeah, and I think my mom uh, talked about yes seeing UFOs. Yes, 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 like, yes. It's it was the Mother's. Yeah, was it, it like a Mother's Day episode? I think. Oh, probably. Uh, but yeah. I don't know. Was it when I, I think it was when I first moved to the house. Oh, no, it was before right, I moved. Right, right, Because when I she was know. there last, we didn't manage to get her on the podcast. She was, you were still in New York then. No, she was busy floating <laughs> in the pool. <laughs> Rightfully so. So, yeah. Yep, you... Using a school uniform belt to tie herself <laughs> to the, uh, tie her floating lawn chair, her very 80s floating lawn just... chair, to the ladder Brilliant. in my pool. Uh, so, yeah, you get the yeah. Facebook group. You get Patreon, you get all these episodes, uh, you get to join in on the craft stuff that I'll be doing, because that's going to be like a scheduled thing more often, and uh, yeah. Well, good, because I'll be stitching a right? lot of things. like, just, I, you know, I think that... And now is the time when book deals uh, happen, the moment I <laughs> fill my good. schedule. Um, so May they come up lately. You never know. Um, Plus, it's also a good way to, um... Not that I'm complaining. Uh, if you've got a touch of the seasonal depression, uh, or just get <laughs> real mopey after the letdown of the holidays, or just dealing through the holidays, uh, you got two fellow weirdos who... <laughs> who, uh, who also, uh, are, you know... I understand. I mean, you're not understand, wrong. Understand, uh, and you can hang with us. And then there's more in the group too that we speak very openly about mental health and, um, and just, uh, yeah, yeah, because it it's important. Very much is, and it's not embarrassing. Right. It's just seriously. A fact. It's taking. I take my my mental health medications the same I would take my allergy medications. It's all valid, and sometimes you. Same. You need help. So, yeah. If I could have all of my mental health <laughs> medications at the same time, right. it would be poor, super. Poor lady. Oh, why did I move to the ass end of nowhere, Vermont? <laughs> because wonderful. I long for a Brooklyn pharmacy. Oh, just wait. You can wait till you hear about the uh, Vatican pharmacy. Uh. <laughs> Could the Vatican pharmacy get me my medication? They, the Vatican pharmacy can get you anything, and if they can't get it for you, shit, they got a robot that'll make it. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> Ooh, a compounding like, robot. Yeah. Cool. So, All yeah, right. join us. Well, yeah, so uh, <laughs> speaking of the, the Vatican, um, we are going to be talking about baffling things about the pope papal artifacts and the vatican because pope yeah. hammer seriously the... yeah um so and dead pope on tv this is Whoa. and what? dead pope on tv I don't know why you're so it, freaked out about that. I wasn't free to just... Don't you remember when Pope up. John Paul II died? Not really, because I'm not a big fan. I'm not a big Catholic well, fan, but I no, just... Well, no, me neither. I guess I don't, I, didn't, I don't remember that. I, I don't know if I just didn't pay enough attention. 
I just know that all of a sudden I was like, it was all that is a close thing. up on a fully dead man right there. Just on the news. Just dead. Just hanging out. Oh my goodness. I, yes. I can't wait to hear about it's the Pope Hammer. Uh, yeah, so this is in no way an exhaustive accounting <laughs> of anything papal yeah. because it could be God. its own podcast. Literally. Like, yeah, I, it, it is its own podcast several times over. Um, but I just thought, you know, since we've all heard about Pope Hammers recently. <laughs> I thought I was going to take, you know, a little fun wander down the alleys of History Channel Pope documentaries and talk about the seriously weird shit that happens to and in the vicinity of the Pope. Sounds harmless. <laughs> Sounds does. cute. I thought the same. Um, but, uh, big yikes. Yeah. Um, I instead entered the circle of hell that is, I didn't even mean to make that <laughs> It's well done. It, thank you. Um, that is fact finders in all of the finger quotes <laughs> that lurk in that weird area where the far right and the far left meet. Uh, um, I I and was so agog mm-hmm. at the amount of fucking Joe Rogan podcast episodes devoted to Vatican shit. I, I <laughs> of course, I did not listen to them. I couldn't. I there was only so much. But I was. It is. But he's just asking it's questions. So, <laughs> it, I was like, "Are you Joe? Are you?" It, yeah, and there was like a Glenn Beck one. Uh, that I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Uh, yeah, I was the the. I don't. They don't have a group name like Vaticanites. I don't, it is. It is interesting. The the collective noun of people who study is. the Vaticanologists. Yeah, it is an interesting. <laughs> I was not. The, I did not expect. I did not expect it. Um, I'm sure there's a Latin name for, like, papal scholars. Actually, my best friend from seventh grade was in a PhD program um, specifically about popes. Wow. So, maybe, yeah. Uh, so, he, he veered in a different direction. Um, but, maybe I'll ask him. But, anyway. So... Like I said, big yikes. Like, we all know that there are conspiracy theories, because how could there not be? There is literally an entire genre of fiction that is devoted to the labyrinthian romps through papal storage Mm -hmm. closets. Like, just so many. I worked for a publishing house that had several on its list, and they weren't even... Those books, they were just of the genre. So, the papacy is really solid at making sparkly, esoteric mistakes. (laughs) 
It's so much, I mean, so much more delightful than I would have put it. <laughs> well, it's not terribly different than the pageantry of any other. Right. Like, thing that looks sparkly and makes you true, feel true. magic. Um, it's the hats, the that... hats give me, man. <laughs> the hats give huh? me, man. <laughs> Ooh. I'm going to tell you about one of the hats later. So what I didn't expect, or I guess I expected that actual facts about some of the weirder shit would be hard to Mm -hmm. track down, but I didn't think it would be as hard to confirm, like, the normal everyday happenings with regards to the Pope and the Papal Palace. Yeah. Like, I know that, like, with any head of state, and the uh, papacy is an absolute monarchy, um, that there is a lot of keeping things under wraps so people aren't aware of, um, like, where someone might be at a given time, or something like that. But... It's extremely hard to just confirm things that should be facts. So, uh, so yeah. Um, and since it's hard to actually confirm normal things, when you veer off into the mountains of religious pageantry and quirk that exist, which is all of it, um, good fucking luck. And also, I'm just going to say it. They are some shady motherfuckers, so it's hard to confirm a lot of shit. Like, they are really good at at, uh, the old, at at wielding the power they have to shut down wherever they want. That is literally my next (laughs) sentence. Um, So, Catholicism loves its pageantry and quirk. And also, it's questionable abuse yep. cover-ups. Yep. yep. So, so we yeah. all know that. And there are layers of nonsense upon layers of false piety upon what may have started out as very real piety. And some, certainly some people involved are indeed good people and the actual overarching machine itself that is the catholic church and specifically the pope and the vatican and the papal palace yeah. um so here are two things that are definitely true The entire thing is what I think the kids these days are calling (laughs) And also that I desperately want an invisibility cloak and a whole lot of time to kill in the Vatican. Dear God, yes. (laughs) You know how... um, Often, like, as icebreakers or something... You get asked what superpower mm-hmm. you would want to have. 
I would specifically want invisibility in and around yes. the Vatican. Yes. Hard agree. Because please, please. I mean, A, it would be really funny <laughs> to um haunt oh, the Vatican. Definitely. <laughs> but uh also what do they got in there? For what do they got? Miles and yeah. miles. <laughs> I mean, l- literal, because that is how um, parchment, well, parchment is measured in mm-hmm. length, but different uh, varieties. Anyway, not the point. So, before I go any further, I need to tell you something. Yes. I am not happy. <laughs> um... And I wasn't raised Catholic. I was raised Christian, but I was raised in a Baptist church, which has its <laughs> I was own. Say, when it uh, comes to like, I think yeah, Bap- I went to Jesus I think- camp. I went to lots <laughs> oh, of Jesus God. camp. Um, so, as with anything that we research, where one of us does not have primary knowledge, um. I'm going to do my best, but I also am happy to accept corrections and issue updates as needed or be pointed towards more weird shit. So Also, uh, if you are a devout Catholic and you're listening, we are not, it's nothing against you at all. Like, and I apologize in advance if you're offended by anything I say, because I was brought up Catholic. <laughs> I am what I refer to as a recovering Catholic. Um, ah. So uh, I am not as gentle. <laughs> um, but that you have your beliefs. But you're allowed to not right. be as gentle because you, it's yours. You, I will still welcome you with open arms. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean... I am a pagan witch, <laughs> and I am fully aware that there are some really funny things about that, and things that don't make sense, and questionable activities, and, like, it doesn't bother me when people talk about it, and it doesn't bother me, I guess... As long as uh, my intent, specifically, my intent is not to be malicious. I'm just talking about Mm -hmm. weird things and swearing about things that probably would make people who are devout uncomfortable about me swearing. But, um, But yeah, anyway, I'm not Catholic. I mean no offense other than the usual amount of offense <laughs> that, yes. that I mean about most things. So, anyway. Right off the bat, I think we should address the shiny, deadly elephant mm-hmm. in the room. The Pope <laughs> Hammer. <Yes. laughs> yeah. And if you're not sli- slinging... If you're not singing Peter Gabriel's yeah, sledgehammer right yes. now with me, I 
Like, I'm not sure if we can be friends. Um, but if you happen to be too young, I have linked it below. <laughs> it's a YouTube video and the music video for the Crazy song face. is yep. truly bonkers. <laughs> and I like what? Yes. <laughs> somebody somebody really liked drugs. Oh yeah. Um but like in a Donnie Darko way, except happy. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's yeah. it it is. Okay. So USA Today, the favorite newspaper of hotel guests across the nation, <laughs> has some disappointing news for all of us. I'm really sorry to say. So we all saw the tweet, I assume, or a screenshot of it bouncing around the internet. Someone named Sophie Dublow tweeted, quote, my favorite new factoid is that they hit dead popes on the head three times with a special dead pope hammer <laughs> just to ensure that they are, in fact, dead. And there's a photo of a very fancy very hammer. Fancy. It, it is a very fancy hammer. Um, and that tweet went viral and then someone screenshotted it and then it went yes. everywhere and I really wanted it to be true because that shit is right. wacky like, it's mm. wacky but still within the realm of that That sounds like that could be a thing it's wacky but believable it's the right yeah. kind of wacky for mm -hmm. the catholic church and like, especially the pageantry oh, yes. of the Catholic Church. Like, symbolism, mm -hmm. man. Um, so, <sighs> I, I just don't want to break anyone's heart. Oh, no. But, despite the church's well-deserved reputation of going way over the top weird... This seems to be a gift of many centuries of playing telephone. So this isn't the first time that this as an idea has ah. gone viral. It's just the first time that the internet has been involved. <laughs> um, so USA Today's rating is false. And uh, quote... Modern means are used to determine if a pope has died, according to credible news reports. They did not say which <laughs> credible news reports. Although, I mean, actually, they did cite an entirely massive list <laughs> of sources. So it's possible that they did tag them, but they did not say in, in this who's credible. I want to know. Tell me who's credible. Anyway. Um, tapping a deceased pontiff's head with a hammer is not mentioned in any official documents related to the process following a pope's death. The hammer pictured in the social media posts was used by popes in the 
uh, or in the ceremonial opening of a holy door. What? Why do you use the hammer so, for? How do you open a door with a hammer? Okay. I'll get there. Um, the Pope is not breaking up. <laughs> not with that thing. It's too <laughs> I, pretty. I, I'm sorry to disabuse <laughs> any of you of that uh, mental image. But uh, to further quote the article, with facts boosted by a theology professor at the University of... All right, we're going to use the American pronunciation mm-hmm. since this is that university, um, the University of Notre Dame. And it is, quote, the claim that a hammer is used for tapping on the Pope's head is a legend, though one that has been repeated countless times as early as the 1850s, says Ulrich Kleiner. Mm-hmm a University of Notre Dame theology professor. So, it's the Victorians' fault. The fact that it survived that long is... It feeds me. It feeds me. Like, I'm good. Like, the fact that it's not a thing... Yeah. Okay, that made me sad, but the fact that that rumor has lasted that freaking long, I'm good. And it probably started before then, but the records pick it up. In Victorian times. And so, the origin of the claim is unclear, Lehner said. He pointed to a 19th century church history that said the Camerlengo, the official charged with acting as head of the Catholic Church upon the death of the Pope, would knock three times with a golden hammer on the door of the room where the Pope's body lays. The Camerlengo would also call out the Pope's baptismal name. Early histories don't mention that role for the Camerlengo or the use of a hammer at any point in the rituals, uh, said Lehner. They instead refer to cardinals praying with the dying pope and the Camerlengo having additional duties such as inventorying the pope's room. Hmm. Uh, Lehner said, if he had to guess, the hammer to the head rumor could have been an offshoot of people's fear of someone being buried alive. So, Victorians. Yeah, that'll do it. Yep. Um, And it's one of the most persistently repeated fake claims, he said. Even renowned historians have repeated it. The Reverend David Collins, an associate professor and director of Catholic studies at Georgetown University, pointed to a 1996 document called Universi Dominici. Oh, hold on. More Latin. (laughs) The... uh, Universi Dominici Gregis, issued by Pope John Paul II, that laid out the procedures for the death of a reigning pope. Um, As soon as he is informed of the death of the Supreme Pontiff, the Camerlengo of Holy Roman Church must officially ascertain the pope's death in the presence of of the master of papal liturgical celebrations, of the cleric prelates of the apostolic camera, 
and of the secretary and chancellor of the same. The latter shall draw up the official death certificate, reads the document. The document does not make any mention of how the Camerlengo is to, quote, ascertain the Pope's death. There is no reference to a silver hammer. The calling out of the Pope's baptismal name or the smashing of rings and seals in the document, said Collins. Um, and we'll get back to the smashing of rings gotcha. later on. Uh, the uh, Collins cautioned that striking the Pope's head or calling out his baptismal name, quote, could take place as a matter of custom but they are not part of the official procedures after the Pope's death. Hmm. So he's just poking right. at this. He's like, I, I can't <laughs> say it doesn't happen. Like, you man, know what? Well, tapping him with the, the hammer to make sure he's dead makes more sense than using a special hammer to knock on a door. Eh, we'll get that. <laughs> um, when Pope John Paul II died in 2005, his death was confirmed with an electrocardiogram. <laughs> okay. <laughs> According to reports at the time, which I think is generally speaking <laughs> one of the more yeah. common methods of confirming someone is no longer with us. All right. So moving on to the actual use of the hammer. Uh, Laner said the pictured hammer was used to open a porta sata or holy door. Holy doors are opened in jubilees periods of forgiveness on the church calendar. The last such period ended in November of 2016, and the next is scheduled for 2025. Traditionally, the Pope marks the start of the jubilee by opening a holy door, according to a Vatican document about a jubilee that took place in 2000. This is typically done by knocking three times on the door with a hammer. Okay. Um, is it wrong that I want to make a knocking on heaven's <laughs> door joke here? Because, no, that's highly appropriate. I mean, I feel like Maybe the hammer was used. It was just knocking on a different door, if you know what I mean. Um, anyway, USA Today has a whole list of their sources for their fact check, should you want to learn more than you ever needed to know about <laughs> Pope deaths. All right. Second, also, strange thing that I did not know about Pope's, did you know that the Pope has a tiara? A tiara? Yeah. No. Because he totally fucking does. Yeah. So the current incarnation hasn't been used since the swinging 60s. <laughs> 1960s. Um, but it exists in all of its sapphire, ruby, and emerald encrusted wow. glory. In fact, popes as early as the 8th century may have worn a version of it because the pope is, in fact, a yes. monarch. Um, and though I tend to think of tiaras as dainty, it, in this case, it actually refers to the entire headpiece, which has included combinations of crowns, circlets, and diadems. 
That's some and serious headgear. <laughs> yeah, uh, many combinations thereof. It kind of looks like a beehive, honestly. Um, the current three-tiered version stemmed from the 14th century and has its own fancy names because I think maybe Tierra was... Probably shot that down. <laughs> I mean, it it is still officially called that. So, um, But it's sometimes called the Trirenum. Okay. Try because it's three. So that must be our, our Latin. Yeah. Um, the triple tiara. <laughs> and it does have three crowns stacked. So it does it kind Not of Not excessive sense. at um, all. <laughs> no, but it's also called the triple nice. crown. Um, so I feel like the 1960s Pope was like, nah, dude, we're calling it the triple crown. <laughs> Yep. I mean, I don't know that, but I'm just guessing. So from uh, 1443 to 1963, the papal tiara was placed on the Pope's head during a papal coronation. The oldest surviving tiara is from 1572. Wow. Um, so I don't know what happened to the previous ones. But I think there probably has just been an awful lot of combining over the years. So I'm not I'm not sure. But that 1572 tiara is not involved in the current one. Um, So there's a whole world of additional histories behind the papal tiaras. But honestly, I thought most of it was kind of boring without further context and i'm not going to become a papal scholar just (laughs) to learn about the hows and whys and whens of the tiara getting progressively fancier but i am fairly certain that there was capital d drama behind the scenes as it got more and more crown Mm -hmm. like and more bejeweled um because it did not start out telling you a lot of the the pope has become kind of the personification of power corrupts absolute power corrupts absolutely in a lot of ways like the whole well he is an absolute yes i mean the whole kit and caboodle that is the vatican and everything that lies within is yeah and i actually saw a bunch of information that was really interesting on why it's so hard to prosecute anyone within the church and it isn't necessarily the reasons that you would think a lot of it has to do with the hierarchy and who reports to mm. who technically yeah. and who is appointed who um and so it just gets very convoluted with regards to who reports to whom and how all of that works um i again i'm not a papal scholar so i don't know those details but know what i do what? know about anti <laughs> Yep. So the current 
papal palace that is in the Vatican is called the Apostolic Palace. Um, and it's the official residence of the Pope right mm-hmm. now. And it's also called the Papal Palace, the Palace of Sixtus V, and the Palace of the Vatican, among many other things, because heaven forbid we right. get a name. Yep. Um, but wait, there is a second palace. Yes. So, um, Le Palais de Pop. <laughs> de Pop. Um, in France. So... Rome was having a violent and chaotic era during the 14th century. And so the 14th century popes were like, fuck this, and uh, went off to Avignon in France. And there, they lived in what was basically a medieval fortress and palace. And it has been expanded and changed and parts of it have been raised. And it's it's had a chaotic history because, you know, different popes had different... Uh, requirements <laughs> in their lives okay <laughs> the different but, decorating tastes <laughs> yeah so i've been to this particular papal palace and first of all the town that it's in like it's still kind of walled there's um all manner of like teeny tiny weird shaped buildings made of stone. Oh wow! <laughs> and like it's it's very cute. It's one of those places. You know how when you visit some place, like I think people do this in New York a lot, um, where you look around and imagine what it must be like to live in that apartment yeah. above the store in this particular place. Um. I did a lot of, a lot of that. Um, I think that this place also was where I went to um, a museum of iconography. Ooh, fun. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. Um, but the thing that I remember most is standing inside. I think it would have been the inner keep of the medieval gothic hmm. castle um and it had the largest fucking fireplaces Ooh. i have ever seen like so my house is, is big but one of these fireplaces, you know what? Let's even, let's back that up. One of these fireplaces was about as long as my apartment. In oh wow! Was and way about as tall as maybe the building. Oh wow! Uh, <laughs> um, 
And I think I'm probably exaggerating that a little bit, but I for sure have pictures of me standing <laughs> next to it and kind of in it. And I don't know. I just, I find these things to be fascinating because, I mean, there is anywhere that's been a fireplace has years of soot build up and like this is a medieval oh yeah just think about standing on that place in stones that have been there for that that is really cool and that was where like cooking yeah and stuff like that and that's why it's so fucking huge I mean, also probably because sometimes it gets a little, a little bit. silly. But, I mean, this is the south of France, so could right. be worse. But, um, but, yeah. So, anyway. So, the 14th century popes, they chilled in this ridiculous palace, fortress, medieval, gothic <laughs> monstrosity. Um, with various additions. Their version of Versailles. And <laughs> except it's, I mean, I guess parts of it are beautiful, but it's yeah. a castle. It's a medieval castle. Um, oh, and so a lot of it's very utilitarian. Yeah. So, like, climbing up turrets with um that are going a certain way so your sword wouldn't get stuck like (laughs) like weird shit like that and i mean i know that i'm american and we with the exception the very large exception of every major thing that indigenous populations have created and white people have knocked down um, so I suppose we could, we could go to some Mayan areas if we want to stay in the Americas and get that old. Um, but we don't have like castles chilling. And so I just found it to be fascinating that a Pope would need or even want that. But it also, like, it's the 14th century, so it needs to be a fortress. There are, it's entirely possible that someone will come and try to take the papacy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, given the, yeah. especially given the, um, it's not just religious leadership, it's a little bit more than that. Oh, yeah, which is where we get the anti-popes. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new favorite yeah, word. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, when the seat of the papacy would eventually move to, uh, well, the Vatican, which is where it is now and has been for quite some time, there were still um apparently in 
as varied I guess as as wide a time frame as between the third and mid fifteenth century, sometimes there are anti popes that um, lived there in France. So there, um, like whether it be by schism or. Uh, whether it be people who just had a critical amount of support and disagreed with who the current pope was. Like, there were an awful lot of people having that happen, and sometimes it's not even necessarily clear who was the pope and who was the anti-pope <laughs> at any given time. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, it's chaos um and i i simply this is the part that that i would need to have so much more background knowledge to even talk further about it so i'm just gonna leave it at sometimes there were anti-popes and sometimes those (laughs) anti-popes lived at the second papal palace that is in France, that I have been inside. But also some legitimate popes in the 14th century also lived there. And... Yeah, right. What, what even is a pope? What even is an anti-pope? <laughs> Who gets to decide? <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> not me. Nope. Uh, <laughs> certainly not us. Um... Anyway, so, uh, popes and anti-popes, that is as far as I'm going to go down. If someone who's listening happens to have that as, like, I don't know, uh, an autistic special interest, I say, because (laughs) I have autistic special interests, um, and has gone down that rabbit hole, please excitedly tell me about it. Because I want to go down yes. that rabbit hole, but there's just so much of that rabbit hole. Um, all right, so I feel like we, we've talked about crowns. We've talked about houses. I mean, in the yes. loosest sense. So maybe we should talk about some... Oh, and hammers. We've talked about those, too. Uh, yes. So let's talk about some bling. Yes. Now... I've been thinking about papal signet rings. Yeah. And wondering, like, so you know how signet rings have, in general history, been passed down from titled father to titled son? Yes. Down through history. And it has seemingly been the same ring. Which I guess kind of makes sense because genetically maybe you would have similar sized hands or something. I don't know. But I was thinking that popes come from all the fuck over the place. They really and they do. they vary greatly in size. And mm-hmm. do, how old is the signet ring? And does it get resized for every pope? Like... Can you imagine a piece of jewelry, like, f- 
from the 8th century <laughs> that has been resized right trying to resize every that time there was a new pope they probably have a papal jeweler uh, to handle they, it <laughs> they do well they it turns out that whenever there's a new pope there's a new pope ring and uh. so there I read an article about um, the goldsmiths that worked on creating the most recent papal ring and how that works and then what happens to the former ring because... That was my question. Yeah, and I wondered if they got buried with them. And I still don't know the answer to that. Um, Oh my god. Fucking Catholics, man. Well, I mean, there were <laughs> close-ups on the body, so. Right, but that's just the body. Yeah. I... You know what I mean? It was it in the casket, and you know what I mean? Like... Yeah, so I don't know if you could see the hands or not. I didn't actually look at the um, procession for uh, Ratzinger. What was his name? Benedict the Sixteenth. I just saw him laid out, like, his head. Just, just close-up on his face. I was like, okay, then. See, be poor. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, Catholicism, man. They like their bodies. Like everything. There's a joke like in, in the there. Fr- yes, but in the front of every church, there's a fucking bone. Like yeah, just to be there. So I mean. You gotta have a bone to have a church. <laughs> All right, I'm I'm not gonna make that joke. Okay, so um, <laughs> so when I was thinking about papal signet rings and do they pass them down, I remembered that people kiss the ring. Yeah. And then I was thinking about the plague. <laughs> oh, oh. And, so. Oh, the germs. Mm. Yeah. And and (laughs) then I was thinking about COVID and all of the things. And just thinking about the layer upon layer. And I mean, I know that's not how metals work. You can wash them. It's still. But yuck. So I am relieved to know that new Pope, new ring. And so... The Pope's ring is has a name, and it's the same for all of the signet rings. Um, and it's called the Fisherman's Ring. And it is also technically the official seal um, that is exclusive to the Pope. And, yeah. like, when I say seal, um, if you're not familiar... I mean, you know, fuck you, JK, but the <laughs> um, Hogwarts letter seal, that's what we're talking about. The wax. About. Um, the wax. With the wax, right? Stamped. Yeah. The stamped wax that seals the letter shut. And so that ring and all signet rings are made to do that. And mm. so... Um, 
because the fisherman's ring is individual to each pope, when Pope Benedict, who recently died, resigned, um, his ring also resigned. <laughs> and Oh, yeah, that's right. And so uh, this article... Now, this is kind of interesting. This is from um, a CBS article. So it's a very real news source. But right. it says two different things, and I don't know what's true, which is why I want to know if the ring is still on the Pope. Um, yeah. The dead Pope, that is. So because the ring has technically resigned, apparently, traditionally, the ring is broken with a hammer. Oh, um, the papal hammer? The Pope I hammer? I want it to be the Pope hammer. Um, oh, it should be the Pope hammer? the Pope hammer. Because they <laughs> didn't say which hammer, and I feel like you'd do it with a Pope hammer, right? I mean, it's a very ceremonial-looking hammer. So yeah, I, I feel like think. you do it with a ceremonial hammer. Except for sometimes yeah. the passing of the papacy wasn't uh, exactly peaceful. Yeah, no, no, no. So, anyway. Yeah. So, if it's destroyed with a hammer, I mean, A, I want to know where it went. Is there, like, some vault of squashed Pope rings in the Vatican somewhere right. because that's a thing I want to know about. Um, right. But the um, vice president of the Roman Guild of Goldsmiths, um, Claudio Franchi, was commissioned to make the ring when Pope Benedict was elected, Pope Emeritus Benedict. Um, was elected in 2005 and he said that the reports of the ring or that the ring will be destroyed are a mistranslation of the italian word bifitura which means to cross out and um, he said that the ring is marked with a cross on the upper part as a symbol of the end of the papacy and that it's not destroyed so that's a lot of specific information from the dude who literally made the ring. So I feel like that's probably pretty accurate, or at least accurate at this moment. Reasonably accurate, yeah. yeah. So um, the actual process of making the ring is really interesting to me. Um, so, <laughs> the um, I think each pope gets to choose the design of the ring, but I think it is, because it's called the same thing, it is also specifically depicting the same person because um the fisherman is saint peter you know the, the making i'm now having visions of the pope scrolling through a catalog that looks like the class ring <laughs> yeah exactly um did i ever tell you about the mistake that i made being a white girl who had never met 
anyone beyond um, two black people and two Asian people when I graduated. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Um, <laughs> my class ring has um, the uh, Muslim symbol, the star and crescent, on it. Ah. Because I always wore a ring that was my mom's in the 70s that ah. had um, a crescent moon and a star on it, but doesn't look like that. And okay, I thought it would be cute if they matched, and literally not one person noticed. Oh, wow. I mean, that tracks. I mean, it's Michigan. Yep. So, whoops. Um... Anyway, so I think all of the rings depict St. Peter, but I think that the individual pope chooses the style of the ring. So the Benedict ring was inspired by a Michelangelo painting. And the final concept of the ring, and this is um, from that CBS News article, required more than 200 sketches and colored drawings. And it depicts St. Peter, who is a fisherman, and carries the inscription, Benedictus, and then the Roman numeral for 16, um, which is the Pope's official title in Latin. The elliptical shape represents the piazza in front of St. Peter's Basilica, um, and it was, or which was laid out by sculptor Bernini in the 17th century. The ring itself is 35 grams of pure gold. Jesus. Uh And it took eight artisans working 15 hours a day, two weeks to make it. Eight people working 15 hour days. That's bananas. For two weeks. I mean, that's. Yeah. Fucking excessive. I mean, yay for those people getting paid. You know, and, and having work, but that's so fucking excessive. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's, yeah. Um, so the CBS News correspondent, um, Alan Pizzi, asked the goldsmith, is the value of this ring the price of the gold, the work you put in it, or what the ring means overall? Which I think is kind of an interesting question. That's an- that is an interesting um, and question. And Frenchie said, the value of the time and the gold is nothing. It is effectively annulled by the strong symbolic power and the fact that it has been worn by Benedict Sixteenth, and that it tells a story that is the basis of Christian faith. Um, it is also the product of skill passed on from father to sons and honed over a lifetime. As a Roman goldsmith, Franchi said, a papal commission was, quote, the highest point of my career. Um, Good for him. And so the Vatican, and this is before the new pope took over when the, when Benedict resigned, um, the Vatican Mm -hmm. announced that the new pope's ring will be the same as the old one, except for the name change, which... I oh. think it's kind of in fitting with the reputation of, isn't he 
isn't the current pope a Jesuit priest? Um, Possibly. He's more lax. Like, he's definitely more chill than... I mean, less opulent. Less waste. Right. Um, it seems like. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. That is very interesting. And I, I, I think it's cool that he didn't, you know... Spend a bajillion dollars on reinventing this one. No, but it probably still took um, the artisans yeah. <laughs> two weeks of 15-hour days. Right. But, uh, yeah, so that's where I limited myself um, with regards <laughs> to weird Pope things. Yeah. There's a world of weird Pope things left unexplored it there there is uh, it it was hard it was this was challenging for me to not rabbit hole deeply in so many different areas um and uh you know giving my issues as a recovering catholic uh i in the past, I had pretty much avoided any research and learning about the bowels of its <laughs> of its of its faith, known as the Vatican. Tell me how you really uh, feel, <laughs> because I had a feeling that it would just only fuel my distaste for it. And, uh, and I'm I was sorry right. that I was responsible for this. <laughs> no, it's fine, and I'm you know I no, it's actually. It is incredibly interesting, as as interesting as infuriating as it is. Um, and we are too. And I'm sure that our our goal when we research and stuff and when we rabbit hole is not just for our own selves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's it's for others to learn as well. So uh, what exactly is the Vatican other than where the Pope lives? Um, for starters, the Vatican is a city and a country located within another city in another country. Yeah, and it's a monarchy. Uh, <laughs> yep. Sound confusing? Yeah, that's the theme. That's the entire theme. Uh, the area itself turtles all the way down. Very, <laughs> a very long yeah. history uh, with religion dating back to 64 AD when it became the site of martyrdom of many Christians after the Great Fire of Rome. Now, there is more buildings than just, there's so many things. There's so many things. Like, Saint, I think it's St. Peter's Basilica is actually built upon a graveyard. I mean, there's just, there's so much. Oh, yeah, there is a, a necropolis underneath. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um. So the Vatican City, which is what it is referred to now, wasn't an official thing until 1929, thanks to, oh, Mussolini <laughs> and uh, his signing of the Lateran Pax, which allowed the Vatican to exist at its, as its own sovereign state and also compensated the church $92 million, which is more than $1 billion of today's money, for the papal states. Wait, the Vatican what? used... Okay. Yeah, the Vatican used the payment as seed money to regrow its coffers. Mussolini, the head of the Italian government at the time, 
the fascist dictator, uh-huh. <laughs> signed the treaty on behalf of King Victor Emmanuel III. On behalf of. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. So just that fucking paragraph, mm. you know that if Mussolini is paying the church that insane amount of money, that that did not just be like, oh, hey, you can have this land and let me give you this money. You know there was shit attached oh, to that. Anyway, geographically, it is located in Rome, Italy, and it is the smallest country in the entire world. At 109 acres total, it is often cited every place. I don't know why they've chose this, but everyone likes to just cite it as being one-eighth the size of New York City's Central Park. <laughs> to many... Th- I mean, Central Park is a big-ass park. It I is, I have gotten lost in Central uh, Park. Oh, yeah. It's got its own zip code and post office. Like, it, it's delightful. I mean, and that's most neighborhoods do. in New York City have their own zip code. Right. Uh, but uh, to many, that reference doesn't mean much. So basically, it is said that you can walk its entire perimeter in like 40 minutes. Now, obviously, that's... Yeah, given... it's less than a quarter of a mile. Is it? Yeah, I think it's like point makes one... Sense. Oh, maybe it's 0.19 kilometers, actually. Uh, it, yeah, I was going to say it's small, it's not, but it's not it's that small. small. Right. Um, especially when you continue underneath, which is a whole other story. Well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the estimated population in 2019 was 825 people. But citizenship, much like everything in the Vatican, works different than pretty much any other freaking right. country. There are no natural born citizens of the Vatican. There are no hospitals to be born in. Now, that is their theory as to why there's no natural born. But I'm like, dude, you can birth anywhere. I was going to say, but I the only imagine way... someone has had a baby. <laughs> right? The only way to become a citizen is to be issued a job within the country. And once that job is done, your citizenship is stripped from Fascinating. you. Fascinating. I don't know how that works in terms of, like, if... <laughs> If then you could just bounce back to your, because usually to become a citizen, it's probably a dual citizenship like situation, but it is governed yeah, by an absolute Yeah, you wouldn't garden. have to renounce your citizenship elsewhere. Um, I would think that it was sense. going to revert upon job loss. Right, I wouldn't think. So, like we covered, it's an absolute monarchy with the pope at its head. The Vatican mints its own euros, which are identical to, you know, the regular euros, only with, you know, fun people on it, like the Pope. Um, <laughs> Wait, it prints really? its own stamps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's literally the same as euros. Can but, you, you know, use like, them yeah. elsewhere? I don't know. Like, um, are there I'm... Pope euros circulating in, like, I don't know, the Italian Alps? I don't <laughs> I would think it'd be impossible to not have them, you know. Well, I agree. I just find that fascinating. I don't know why. Right? It it is. Uh, They they have their own stamps, which, again, so weird. Um, And they even have their own passport and license plates. Uh, And uh, also, I don't know, their own freaking media outlet. And they also have their own flag and their own anthem. Uh, They do have their own passports, like I said, and license plates. As well as their own baking system, which I will get oh, to. Oh, I thought you said bacon. And I was like, oh no, oh, is there a great bake. Vatican bake-off? Oh my God, the can great you imagine? The great Papal bake-off? Uh, 
<laughs> they don't like to get their hands dirty. No. Oh, yes, uh, they do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so two things they lack as a mm-hmm. country are taxes, because pretty much everything goes to the church, which is the government anyway, and an army. Instead of an army, they have a mercenary force known as the Swiss da, da, da. Yeah. The country that remains neutral has been protecting or providing protection for ages. And by ages, I mean since 1506. Mm-hmm. That's when Pope Julius II, following in the footsteps of many European courts at the time, uh, hired one of the Swiss mercenary forces for his own personal protection. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think their armor or Renaissance era uniforms have changed since. They are delightful. And almost Harlequin esque, yeah. um, but don't let them fool you. Uh, the Swiss Guard's role in the Vatican City is strictly to protect the safety of the Pope. Uh, although the world's smallest standing army, again, they look strictly ceremonial, but the soldiers are extensively trained and highly skilled marksmen, and uh, their the force is entirely comprised of Swiss citizens between the ages of 18 and 30 that are at least five foot eight and a half inches tall and have military training. Mm -hmm. I think the five and a half feet tall thing is a little bit interesting. Yeah, they all have almost 300 days, like 295 days of military training in Switzerland. Yeah, which is just such an odd thing. How do I know that? (laughs) There is a separately administered police force that is charged with the overall security of the nation's state, except St. Peter's Square, which is under the jurisdiction of the Italian police, because everything about the frickin' Vatican is confusing. Um, In accordance with Article 3 of the 1929 Lateran Treaty between the Holy See and Italy, St. Peter's Square, although part of the Vatican City state is normally patrolled by the Italian police up to, but not including the steps leading to the Basilica. Mm. Article 22 of the Lateran Treaty provides that the Italian government, when requested by the Holy See, and the Holy See is just another term for all the holy people, like the Pope and all his peace. Uh, C um, is from Latin for seat. Okay. <laughs> the seat of Seeks the, pro- <laughs> of the um, Holy Church. There we go. Uh, so when requested by the Holy See, it seeks protection or prosecution and detention of criminal suspects at the expense of the Vatican. So basically, if you get arrested in the Vatican, you get processed through the Italian prison yeah. system, um, and then the Vatican gets the bill. Uh, the Vatican has no prison system apart from three cells for pretrial detention. Um, People sentenced to imprisonment by the Vatican serve time in the Italian prisons and, again, costs covered by the Vatican. It's such a tiny country, though, so the guard and the police, it must be super safe, right? (laughs) Negatory. The Vatican City actually has the highest crime rate in the world, listed at 1.5 crimes per person based on its just over 800 (laughs) residents. Damn. These crimes, (laughs) right? These crimes, however, are mostly petty theft and committed by some of the over 5 million people that visit the Vatican annually with an influx of so many tourists. 
Yeah, pickpockets are bound to swoop in and, yeah. you know, lift some cash while, you know, people are so busy being awestruck Stealing by where they are. from collection plates. I don't even know if it's that. It's more just like pickpocketing people walking around. Um, yeah. Still, it's it's such an issue that warnings appear all across the Vatican's website, mm. letting people know who are visiting to be aware of, you know, their belongings. Mm. We now we know about the museums and such. Um, we'll cover those in other episodes for sure. Um, it's impossible to just briefly touch on the museums and the yep. libraries. Um, and those are inside the actual building. Uh, the Vatican versus the town. The, yeah, the group of buildings. It's what Saint Peter's Basilica, right. the Papal Palace, and something else i think there are three things right and the museum's a library part of the palace right yeah yes uh so what else does the vatican have well it has an observatory in arizona wait what yeah that's right as rome expanded light pollution from the city made it increasingly difficult for astronomers at the vatican observatory which is located like 15 <laughs> miles from the city of at the papal summer residence in Castel Gandolfo to view the night skies. <laughs> so the observatory opened a second research center in fucking Tucson, Arizona. I mean, fair enough. I did not know. The desert is real dark. Right, but I, didn't, I can't believe that I did not know that. I never heard of it. The Vatican wow. conducts, which is so, it's another thing that's a little weird to me too. The Vatican conducts astronomical Research with the state-of-the-art telescope that sits atop Mount Graham in southeast Arizona. The fact that the Vatican is doing astronomical research is a little makes Are me giggle a little bit for with the, the end of the world. Because you can't ask questions. I know I was kicked out of CZD several times, and you know the whole they're not big on science. Um, Although I think they also, are cool with um, evolution, aren't they? Like. There are some weird oh, I don't... things that are acceptable science-wise that you wouldn't expect. I am not sure. I know that one of the times that I got kicked out was when I asked if Moses literally parted the Red Sea or if it was a metaphor. And That's a reasonable question. question. I thought so, but I was like, you don't question I mean, I was definitely uh, told it was literal. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, also, I forgot. One of the articles that I read basically mentioned that uh, I think Mount Graham, because of the telescope being there and it being the Vatican's, is actually like the entire thing is owned by the Vatican and not part of the U.S., it's a weird thing there. I'm like, that, oh, that's is a that loophole like uh, embassies? I think so. So the 1.8 meter Alice P. Lennon telescope and its Thomas J. Bannon astrophysics facility <laughs> are known together as the Vatican Advanced Technology Telescope or VAT. Oh, short. my God. Um, it's a Gregorian telescope cool. observing... In the optical and infrared situated on Mark Graham in southeast Arizona, uh, it achieved its first light in 1993. 
That is part of the Mount Graham International Observatory and is operated by the Vatican Observatory, one of the oldest astronomical research institutions in the world, in partnership with the University of Arizona. Fascinating. So, right? I thought that, I mean, that's kind of fun. Like Notre Dame and put it in the middle of a cornfield. Nope. Nope. Arizona. Now, the country may not participate in, I don't know, the United Nations, <laughs> but they do participate in the world's love of football or soccer, as us uh, Americans call no it. No way. They have their uh, own team. <laughs> oh, 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 just wait. The Vatican City National Football Team, uh, they have male and female, is a football team that represents the Vatican City under control of the Vatican Amateur Sports Association. <laughs> Headquartered in the Vatican's Cortile di San Damaso, the Vatican City Football Association was founded in 1972. Its current president is Domenico Ruggiero, Gianfranco Guadagnoli, an Italian, you think, (laughs) is the current head coach. The team has been managed by Giovanni Trapattoni in the past. His first match as a manager was played on October the 23rd, 2010, when the Vatican City faced a team composed of Italian financial police. That's ironic. (laughs) The team played its first match in 1985, a 3-0 victory against the representative of the Australian journalists. In 2018, the Vatican also created a women's representative team. You know what this reminds me of? (laughs) The number of uh, civic organizations in New York City that have bagpipe corps, like oh wow, yeah, 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 yeah there yeah. are so many. Like the um, Supreme Court, si- this New York State Supreme Court system has a bagpipe corps. Um, obviously, the fire so department weird. has a bagpipe corps. Yeah, like. But every once in a while, you will just run into random bagpipe core parades for no reason. (laughs) Because there are just so many small bagpipe cores and so many civic organizations. So this sort of reminds me of that. Well, and so in high school, I worked at an ad agency and we had our own softball team and we played other ad agencies. And I'm Wait, it just it just makes me like I want to know. But like company I, softball I, I teams like a, feel different than that. I don't know why they do, right? but <laughs> like just, I don't know. They feel like, so they feel pretty harmless. <laughs> kicking goals for Jesus, yeah. like I, like, I don't. Ooh. Anyway, uh, mm. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to do a bit of shopping? Oh, of course. While you're there, sure. You can visit. The they have a post office. There's the Vatican. It's the Vatican post office, the Vatican supermarket, the Vatican bookstore, the Vatican museum shop, the Vatican pharmacy. And I bet that's a good gift shop, though. Right? Ooh, I bet. Um, now, <laughs> many call many actually call the Vatican pharmacy the busiest pharmacy in the world. It is across Vatican Square from the Domus Sancte Marte, mm-hmm. where the Pope lives, and also near the Vatican Post mm-hmm. Office. 
The pharmacy serves 2,000 customers a day. It is also the only pharmacy in the entire world that accepts foreign prescriptions. Unless it's for birth control, of course. <laughs> the, the Pharmacia Vaticana, which moved into a remodeled quarters in September of 2020, employs about 50 people. It was founded in 1874 at a time in history when the Pope was virtually a prisoner in the Vatican. Begin, uh, beginning in September of 1870, there was a dispute between the Italian government and the Holy See about the sovereignty of the Pope. As a result, successive pontiffs, starting with Pope Pius the Ninth, yeah, did not leave the Vatican confines until 1929, when the whole treaty was established. Um, in the meantime, the Pope and Cardinals living at the Vatican needed drugs. I mean, medications. Um, today, the pharmacy offers not only prescriptions but also cosmetics and personal hygiene products, vitamins and over-the-counter pain medicines from the U.S., as well as Germany and Switzerland. The inventory includes more than 40,000 items. The pharmacy also makes some of its own signature products in the cellar right beneath the store. <laughs> They've it's got witches! <laughs> it's home, right, they do. It's homemade elixirs, including a quinine distillation, a cologne, anise syrup, I want, and a dandruff cure. So they want you it to also have makes some gin its, and tonic. <laughs> right? They also ma- it also makes its own soaps and lavender water. Huh. Also, because it is not subject to Italian pharmaceutical regulations, the Vatican Pharmacy is able to bring new drugs to patients faster. Hmm. The Vatican City State can purchase them directly from international drug manufacturers right. and does so as long as the drugs have passed other nations' standards and approval. Uh, and it actually results in a great deal of savings, like up to 25%. To get a prescription filled, customers must have a recent medical prescription, present an ID, and also obtain a permit through the Vatican's registry office. A prescription drugs permit? Drugs can also... Yep, and drugs can also be ordered by fax. Payment is cash, bank draft, or credit card. To speed things up, the pharmacy added robots to its warehouse facility. They have witches and robots? Yes. Wow. I was agog (laughs) because I would not have thought. But yeah, I mean, but also, it makes sense that the Vatican would have some kind of hand in some big pharma money. I'm just saying. I mean, yeah. But it also seems like they are weirdly less into the big pharma money than I might expect them to be, given that they're passing along savings to people. That's true. Hmm. It's the whole thing, I will say. I want to know if they take my insurance. They probably do. (laughs) Another thing that's a little odd odd about this little country that that most countries don't Mm -hmm. have, they have a dress code. Uh, Yes. (laughs) The dress code applies for both the Vatican Museums as well as St. Peter's Square and St. Peter's Basilica. 
It's a basic dress code is for both men and women. Both need to cover their knees and upper arms. They prohibit wearing shorts or skirts above the knee, sleeveless tops, and low-cut shirts. Men must take their hats off before entering, whereas women may continue to wear theirs. Without following these guidelines, you will be turned away or suggested to buy a shawl to cover up, which, of course, is raised in price. (laughs) I've had that experience in Morocco. Oh, yeah, I bet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Although I was given so the implement to which, or to cover myself. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. By a very sweet so spe- guy who was not being judgy. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. that's good. Uh, speaking of control, <laughs> many do not know this, but the Vatican has its own full-blown media empire. And we're talking way more than coffee table books and Jesus rules pamphlets. They literally have Jesus they have their rules own newspaper. or Jesus rules. <laughs> and <Okay>. Both. <laughs> uh, so La Osservatore Romano, the Roman observer, uh, is published daily in Vatican City and is one of the most influential papers in all of Italy and the de facto voice of the Holy See. It doesn't stop there, though. Uh, they also have the Vatican Television Center, which started in 1983. And the Vatican Radio, which began in 1931. Radio Vatican. Sounds... I want to know what they play. Oh, you can listen to it uh. online. Uh, it's, and obviously that's, you know, they, which, I mean, I would understand them having, you know, video and TV, like video and radio for like the Pope's, uh, when he was at Wednesdays, I think he wanders into the square mm-hmm. and does a sermon. He also does some, oh, it's not a sermon Mass. because... Mass. Um, and then on Sundays, I can see them wanting to televise that or whatever, but yeah, like a whole, like a whole, maybe they televise the soccer games. The you know. sheer number it's, of documentaries about or adjacent to the Pope that are on, well, the History Channel alone would indicate to me right. that they have plenty <laughs> to put on the air. Right. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy pants. I mean, and also, I, as a side note, it, it irritates me that, oh, I'll get into it later. But it just, it irritates me that they have no problem having, like, these, all these giant things. But you can't be a member of the United Nations. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but this brings me to the, uh, <laughs> the banking and finances, which I saved the rant-inducing until last. Like, this is, this is the stuff that... All right, I'm going to brace myself. Yeah, I will try to. I think the head cold is keeping me a little a little more lax or um, docile than I probably <laughs> would be. Uh, the Institute for Works of Religion, IOR, uh, is commonly referred to as the Vatican Bank, is a privately held financial institution located inside the Vatican City. It was founded in 1942 with the role to safeguard and administer property intended for works of religion or charity. The bank accepts deposits only from the top church officials and entities, according to Italian legal scholar Settimio Cariditi. Cariditi? It is, I pre-apologize to all Italians. Um, It is run by a president, but overseen by five cardinals who report directly to the Vatican 
and the Vatican Secretary of State, but so little is known about the bank's daily operations and transactions that it has often been called the most secret bank in Our the world. Cardinals, they are not elected, right? They're appointed directly by the Pope. I think so. Yeah, because they're the ones who um, actually elect the next Pope. Yes, that makes yeah. sense. Uh, but it has been riddled with scandal over the last couple of years alone. Um, recently, Pope Francis instructed the Vatican entities to move all funds to Vatican to the Vatican Bank by September 30th. Mm. That was of 2022. Uh, the Pope's rescript issued August 23rd clarifies the interpretation of a paragraph in the new constitution of the Roman Curia predic- Predicate of Evangelium promulgated in March. So, uh, according to the Francis is rescript, financial and liquid assets held in banks other than the IOR must be moved, must have been moved to the Vatican bank within 30 days of September 1st, 2022. The IOR based in the Vatican state has 110 employees and 14,519 clients. That's more than I would have thought. Right. As of 2021, it's looked, it looked after, 5.2 5.2 billion euros, which is about 5.6 billion US dollars of client assets. While it's commonly referred to as a bank, like I said, it's technically a financial institute with no branches working within the Vatican city, state, country, whatever you want Citadel. to call it. Uh, <laughs> um, so it, its clients include the Holy See and connected entities. Religious orders, clergy, Catholic institutions, and Holy See employees. Basically, this order forced some entities that had Swiss bank accounts connected to some questionable dealings to move their assets to the Vatican Bank, along with their does funds the Swiss to be guard very close get to, to have Swiss accounts still. Or Ooh. Um, <laughs> I, I feel a work of fiction coming on. <laughs> <laughs> um. I could go deeper into the more recent scandals, but I'm already like it's getting a little bit long and it was important to me that I brought to you the utter bullshit that really seals my distaste. So the Vatican started out as a deal made with a fascist fucking dictator. So the evil origin story practically wrote itself, but it really didn't stop there. Like some scandals, just some of the scandals that are connected to the bank. And I'm very briefly touching on these. Uh, include trying to buy fake securities from a mafia-linked counterfeit ring. Mm. In 1973, the U.S. Justice Department began looking into a potential role the Vatican Bank played in a counterfeit and stolen securities operation. Mm. According to an 18-month FBI investigation, New York mobsters were planning to sell counterfeit corporate bonds and stock certificates to the Vatican, a $900 million payment in five installments Wait, over several months. Wait, isn't the mob generally Italian themselves? Or wait! Oh uh, yeah, there's a whole I meant history. Also Italian, but I meant right. Catholic. No, there's like, a whole don't history. Don't rip off. Yeah, don't rip off God. Come on. Right. There's a yeah. whole. There, well, no, that was in cahoots with them. It oh. Was together. Okay then. Yeah, no, no. The Vatican was using the mob to. Uh, we're yeah. laundering. So the Vatican. Yeah, pretty much a Vatican card. Oh, that's that's a Uh-oh. whole other thing. Uh, a Vatican cardinal planned 
to use the fake securities as collateral in order to obtain financing. The counterfeit bonds would be undetectable unless the bank lost money on its investments and was unable to pay back the loans, which at that point then the Vatican would just claim ignorance of an outside scam. Oh, good. So when confronted with the accusation in a secret meeting in New York, representatives of the Vatican, of course, refused to answer any questions at all. The then president of the Vatican Bank, Paul Marcinicus, denied any wrongdoing, and the investigation could not come up with information to with enough information to charge uh, Marcinicus or anyone in the Vatican because, again, they keep on everything, and it's you know you can only go right. so far. Um, up next, we have using five million dollars to cover up monks who were squandering donations, which sounds much more tame than it actually squandering was. Squandering on After what? He- Oh, after hearing reports that a group of Pauline monks in Philadelphia were involved in a financial scandal, church officials discovered that the monks in question had spent almost $20 million in charitable donations on a life of luxury. Wow. The monks who would raise funds for religious projects yet would spend the money on cars and personal expenses. Despite their high lifestyle, they also defaulted on $4.3 million worth of church bonds. Uh The vicar general kept a mistress with church money and was taking half of the salary of his friends who, are, who were appointed to monastery jobs. Oh. <laughs> half of the monks left the order when the Vatican ordered them to turn over their televisions, stereos, cars, and credit cards. <laughs> to hide the scandal, the Vatican Bank sent more than $5 million to cover the costs of the monks' defaults and pay back creditors. <laughs> The hush money also helped avoid being them being sued or facing criminal charges. Wow. Up next, we have laundering money for the mafia and other Italian elite. Because of its sovereignty, the Vatican Bank has the ability to withhold account information from regulators and authorities, basically fucking everyone. This secrecy has provided an excellent cover throughout history as the Vatican moved money here and there to gain illegal profits and power. Gerald Posner, author of God's Bankers, chronicling the financial scandals of the IOR, wrote, It was not much of a secret that for decades, Italy's elite had used the IOR to hide their money. One internal review estimated that there are approximately 9,300 accounts belonging to privileged citizens of Italy, Compared to only 2,500 that met the bank's strict rules, meaning they had to work for Ooh, them. sketchy. Be part of the thing. Yep. Some accounts were rumored to be proxies for the Spatola and Inzerillo family, crime families. In 1970s, the bank bought a stake in the Italian bank Ambrosanio, Ambrosanio, which was led by the banker Calvi. For two years, the Vatican Bank moved money around Ambrosanio's accounts, to allow banks and companies to pass financial inspection. Then they'd withdraw the money right after the inspection and keep a cut of the sum. <laughs> Abrazzano later crashed in a massive scandal and the Vatican paid a $244 million settlement without admitting any wrongdoing. Oh, good. Cal- Calfees faced criminal charges then died in a murder made to look like a suicide. Mm. Rumors swirled around who was responsible for Calvi's death, uh, with possibilities obviously including the Mafia or the Vatican. In 2009, an Italian journalist published a book based on hundreds of internal documents that were smuggled out of the Vatican Bank that proved fake charity accounts were created 
and instead used for political donations, laundering, and embezzlement. Hmm. Even donations to real charity accounts fell into the mix and ended up disappearing. In 2012, four priests came under investigation for operating bank accounts for the mafia to launder money. And I could go on. Just, I mean, that's just a tip of the mafia connection. The absolute worst and unforgivable offense is these motherfuckers made money directly off the murder of Jews during the Holocaust. Oh. A German officer admitted to having many wartime spies in the Vatican, one of them potentially being Nogara, the acclaimed and able financial advisor. Oh. During the war, Nogara began investing in Italian insurance companies, which, quote, developed into stakes that profited from the ongoing murder of European Mm. Jews. End of quote, Posner wrote. These companies made money by keeping all the financial assets from life insurance policies of deceased Jewish policyholders and refusing and refusing to pay for those still living. But because the Vatican was not a direct insurer, it was never required to pay restitution after the war. Oh, fuck that. Exactly. Many financial records were destroyed during the war and the Vatican refused to access its own records. Therefore, the full scope of the scheme still remains unclear. Oh, they can fuck right off the sea. Oh, it's not even that. That's just part of it. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Pope at the time adamantly refused to publicly denounce anything the Third Reich was doing, even though the Vatican was in one of the most informed institutions on the mass killings long before the Allies even discovered Don't anything. Don't they remember that Jesus was Jewish? Right. The Vatican Bank hmm. hid billions in stolen wartime loot. And the church also aided and saved many Nazi war criminals after the Gross. war. Yeah, so that I knew, I knew there was that. I mean, to be fair, so did I'd... the U.S. with regards to nuclear. Um, yeah, nuclear yeah. scientists. And, but to actively. That's fucking. Gross. I. There, I. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just speechless. Like, how can you stand there and be like, I am a holy fucking person, chosen by God, and fucking do Performed that? Piety. Like, I fuck it. Ooh. I That's yeah. That's gross. I it it's I don't disgusting. Have words. Like I So yeah. I am not a fan. Um in fact I, I had so once upon a time, I'll make this a quick thing, but it's pretty much um, sums up my my adult relationship with the Catholic Church. Uh, I was an operations manager for a company that had several group homes for the elderly. Right. And um, one of the ones that was near and dear to me was an Alzheimer's unit. We had a woman who had moved in and the family was, was like, she's a devout Catholic. Can we at least get a priest in like once a month to communion? And I was like, sure, we've got one that comes every month to see another resident. I'll just have him see her too. Uh, this priest refused. And he was like, she's not my responsibility. I go, what do you mean? She's like, you need to talk to her priest. I go, yeah, I would love to do that. But guess what? Her priest is in another Alzheimer's unit right now. At another place. So she is displaced from her parish, which is 45 minutes away. Um, yeah, no. And he's like, I go, I don't understand why you can't just, you know, meet with her when you come to see the other resident. 
He was like, fine, I'll talk to her. By talking to her, like, I, he came in and she was a little hard of hearing. He saw the person that he sees everyone. He goes over to her in the dining room and I could hear him from my office in her ear going, I don't know why they want me to talk to you. I'm not going to see you. You're not my responsibility. You need to find another priest. What? At which I waited. Yeah, I waited for him. I waited for him outside. He told the staff, I go, I'm going to be outside. Don't listen. Oh, I would end that man. He walks outside and I looked at him and I said, how fucking dare you? And he said, language. I go, what do you mean language? I go, you're yeah, clearly you no holy man. you call yourself a man of God? Yeah. And he was like, she's not my responsibility. She doesn't belong to my parish. I go, it's a really good thing that Jesus didn't operate on the zip code system, you motherfucker. You weren't chosen by anyone. You're not special. Anyone can do what you do. And actually, there's more that do it better. And he's like, you're a heretic. And I'm like, and you're an asshole. And guess what? Jesus probably digs me more than he digs you because he would never pull some shit like that. He refused to come back to the building. To see the other resident, I go, but she's a responsibility. She's part of your parish, motherfucker. Like, I, it was so hard to get any priest to come in and give last rites to my Catholic residents that were dying. It was impossible. What I the had any, hell? I had, I had clergy members of other faith going, I understand that she's not Catholic. I'll slap a white collar on and pretend. Like, literally. I mean... It was that's, so difficult. That's an act of mercy. Right. Like, it's bare minimum fucking compassion. Like, I don't understand. Like, what is your job if not to do that? And then he got in his frickin' Mercedes and drove off. I was like, are you kidding me? Ah. So I, just, I have a really hard time trying to uphold or believe, or defend, or do anything other than flip off an entire system of human ah. beings that are so pompous and just drunk on power and thinking that they are better when they are not. Uh, the first, one of the first times I got kicked out of confession, I was like, hey, because I was, I was little and I was like, hey, guess what? I talked to God and he said I can just talk directly to him. Like, I don't need to talk to you. Like, I don't need you. And he was not fond of that. But, uh, but it was the whole point. Like, dude, I, I don't need you to absolve me because it's not about you. Like, I don't, I don't. Don't need an intermediary. So, yeah. So I understand that I am wow, very. though. Shall I say feisty against the Catholic, I mean, Catholic faith? That's but I, just, that's evil. It is. It is. I was so mad. And it's, Imagine I mean, it trying to explain it, that to your God. <gasps> Seriously, I was like, dude, like, good luck. <laughs> good luck. I was laughing at you because guess what? I'm like, I am not an angel, but I'm a decent fucking person. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, like... I, I would never pull some shit like that. Never. I would never, no. ever. And that's your job. That is your job. I mean, and the Baptist church is fucked up in a lot of ways. But. But they would come my, in. Yeah. My, they would come in. My childhood pastor, who, for the record, was actually a really, really intelligent, really wonderful man. But, um. The rest of the church, less so, and they also 
<clears throat> would eventually remove him. Uh, but there would never be a second, like, he wouldn't think twice. He would have driven right. hours out of the way. Like, I don't. I wasn't even asking this guy to do this. I'm like, can you just take two seconds to stop over and administer the body of Christ to give her a wafer? (laughs) You're already handing one out. (laughs) I mean, just mind-boggling to me. I I think maybe what kind of blows my mind is since um there isn't like the whole pageantry of first communion in the baptist church so mm-hmm. i mean it, basically when you are old enough to understand uh generally speaking you can take communion um mm-hmm. and so therefore i was allowed to take communion at the catholic church of a friend of mine when i would be over there for the weekends um Mm -hmm. but like why am i allowed to do that and i'm probably not technically allowed but i imagine that the that particular parish decided it was fine but um like i don't even know anyone here (laughs) why am i allowed to have those rights when and they should add not who's actually a devoted follower isn't Mm -hmm. like oh man i i'm so mad at that not all catholic churches right i not all catholic churches like i well no of uh, course not but that that guy is an example so, of the worst of the right. church. But, and there were several. I even called the Cousin Center, which is uh, where basically old priests hang out that have, like, no, they have nothing to, like, they're at the point where they don't, like, they don't mm-hmm. have a parish or they're just old. I even called the Cousin Center to try to get one of them to come out. And they wouldn't. Like, so it's weird to me. Like, I did, I have been to, I was at, I went, I actually did my, you have to do a confirmation yeah. retreat. And the one for my church that my parents grew up in um, was on my 16th yeah. birthday. And I was like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> like, I already don't want to do this. Absolutely not. not. Right. So I got to go on my friend's Catholic church on their confirmation retreat. We watched Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It was amazing. <laughs> Like, it was the most chill weekend. Like, they were very cool. Like, not all Catholic churches, not all Catholics. No, and not all congregations but the are the head same. of the beast is, but at the, just like not all Americans, but Trump. Ugh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of the, the best analogy that I can give. Like, I am not I mean, just the cruelty of that just. man. Right. And, 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 I, and again, I have to stress mass amount of other priests that I for not just that woman for other like people my I had a resident who was Catholic actively dying on hospice uh like the death rattle was coming up I mean and all of the priests at her parish were on sabbatical in Chicago and 
No one. I'm like, you don't have like a sister church that you can send somebody? No one. And I'm like, but you build. I'm going to, I swear to you, it's so hard for me not to cry about this. These people were actively dying. They gave their life to your religion and you cannot come and give them that. The closer they like, think how? they need. I mean, seriously, like, I don't care. I don't care. Like, there's, there's, there's no reason why you can't find somebody to come and give them that. that there's no excuse for that level of cruelty. So, yeah. I mean, and again, not all priests, but I mean, it was, it, but was enough. A, it was an ongoing issue I had. It was an ongoing issue that I had no matter where I worked. God, like, that's I, awful. If we had people that were passing away, it was, it, they were Catholic. It was so hard. And I'm like, God, and I, I just, and then, and those, the people that, you know, like, it's so easy to believe that it is fucking corrupt as hell and that they do launder money for piece of shit people that you know because they don't care i mean what what religious if you have that much money and you are not using it to help the people that participate devoutly in your faith or even not just i mean like what is your what is the you can't take that shit to heaven you you can't like no and if you think dude, you're going to heaven how are you gonna explain all that seriously like you got a lot of explaining to do like you're gonna meet the wrong angel man <laughs> yeah yo and that's, um but yeah so yeah mm. that's my little rant yeah which brings us to oh god <laughs> the, the weekly <laughs> The wicked way to die. To die. <laughs> Catholic. She's Catholic, apparently. Um. Pope Hammer. Mine is Pope Hammer. I put ha- yours is Pope Hammer. I put having the pharmacy, the Vatican pharmacy robot, give me the wrong meds. I wish the Vatican pharmacy robot would give me any <laughs> meds. That would be. There you go. That would just in the family of. <laughs> Do you think the Vatican uses FedEx? <laughs> Do they have their own? <laughs> they have their own everything else. I... My goodness. Yeah, I don't so, know. Hey. <laughs> Do you want to be spooky and uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I promise not to cry and rant at you too badly. Oh, no. Um, you're alive. If so... You can find us at Bones and Bobbins on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of the social medias. Or you can just pop on my bonesandbobbins.com. Yes. And please don't forget to rate and review this podcast because it pleases the internet gremlins. And that's how we show up in recommendations so that other morbid souls can find us. Bring forth the morbid souls! Yes, but not the evil ones. No, uh-uh. Uh, and on that note, let us leave you with some advice that you should never forget. Uh-huh. Lock your doors. And don't run with scissors. <laughs> or, or a Pope Or hammer. a Pope hammer. <laughs> or the shears needed to cut out the Swiss guard uniforms. <laughs> um, 
or your damn white collar sticking out as you're running away from a parishioner that actually right. needs you. Okay. Seriously. <laughs> or those giant incense orbs, which I do very okay, much appreciate. Those are cool. Cap- Catholics. I wonder how many incense. people have died by way of uh, incense. Oh uh, what are they called? They have a name, but whatever. I just call it the orb. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how many times one of those he's he's misjudged how long the chain was and just knocked somebody yeah, out. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It smells it good. It does though. smell good. All right, we we need to wrap it up. Um, We're wrapping it up. <laughs> all right, bye. <laughs> bye. Each episode of the Bones and Bobbins podcast is written and researched by Haley Pearson Cox and Natalie Hoyce. Our music was composed by Loyalty Freak Music. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Bones and Bobbins. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, or check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts so you won't miss a minute of our strange and creepy content.